Welcome to the Let's Talk About Parenting podcast with me, Laura, and my lovely mum, Ruth. Hi, everyone. Together, we'll be discussing all things parenting, from education to mental health and everything in between. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the next episode of the Let's Talk About Parenting podcast. Um, I'm Laura, the founder of Questa Kids, and I'm here with my mum, Dr. Ruth Talbot. Hi, everybody. Um, Normally on the podcast, we talk a little bit about our work week, what we've been up to, we catch up. But we decided that because Questa Kids, the company that we both kind of spend time working on, is really focused on telling the stories of women throughout history um, and really focused on what we might call her story instead of his story. Um, We decided it would be a good time at the beginning of the podcast to share a little bit about a really interesting woman that we've come across in our research. Most of the women that um, we do research for end up being characters in the Quest of Kids educational game. So if your kids are part of Quest of Kids, um, they will be meeting some of these women themselves that we're going to talk about. Um, and I thought it might be uh, topical because we, we mentioned her a little bit um, on our last podcast, but a woman called Nicola de la Haye, who um, ended up kind of being in charge of Lincoln Castle uh, during the medieval period because, uh, mum, you went there recently around Lincoln Castle. I did. That's right. I did. I had a really fascinating, um, fascinating trip there. We We were there for, I was there for a different reason and thought this is a great opportunity to go to the castle and try and find out a little more about this lady and see what visitors there are told about about her um and it was fascinating because uh when i first arrived the uh i went to the um, the ticket office and i said you know where can i talk to somebody about her and they directed me to a lovely lady who spent ages talking to me about her and about the things that she'd done and how the castle had been organized in medieval times and what an extraordinary thing it was that she was in charge of um lincoln castle as a woman um but maybe i should just give some background on her first yes, so that I everybody do. knows what I we're do. talking about So Nicola de la Haye was um, an aristocratic woman during the medieval period. Her father was a a rich man who owned land and castles. And then when he died, Nicola um, inherited that land with her husband um, and actually at one point became the sheriff of Lincolnshire, um, which was quite unusual for a woman to be made sheriff. Um, She ended up defending the castle against two sieges, not just one siege, but two sieges, um, and didn't actually stop defending the castle until she was 70 years old. So she was an incredibly formidable character. And although it was unusual for women to be in charge of defending a castle against a siege, it wasn't that unusual. You know, men would often, husbands and fathers would often go away to fight somewhere else and others would take that cheeky opportunity to try and uh, nick the castle from them. So women were sometimes in charge of siege defence, and she was one of them, not once, but twice. Um, so she was pretty impressive uh, from that perspective. Yeah, so so I went along to um, to visit the castle, and I arrived and went to the ticket office and uh, said, how could I find out more about her? And I got directed to a lovely lady who was... Um, manning the sort of entrance up onto the onto the ramparts and spent ages talking to her she was giving me all sorts of information explaining to me what an amazing woman Nicola de la Haye was and how unusual she was for her time Um, and some of the story about how uh, how the siege started and how she managed to get people into the castle to help her because that was uh, you know you couldn't last for very long it during the siege Um, but what was fascinating was that I then went on the official tour and I explained to the uh, very jolly man who was who was doing the tour that I was there specifically to try and find out about her. And the tour lasted for about an hour. And during that time, he didn't mention her at all, despite me having mm. said, please, will you point things out that are relevant to her, her time and, and the things that she did? Um, and the tour ended... Um, with me mentioning her and saying, you haven't said anything about her. And he said, well, there's not very much to say. 
as he was standing on the only recognition there is of her in the castle, you know, in the sort of infrastructure of it, which is a plaque on the, on, on the floor. And he was standing on this plaque and telling me that there wasn't much to say about her. And <laughs> I was just thinking, well, there you go. He couldn't see it. He couldn't see it. His feet were on it. He couldn't see yeah. it. Yeah, and, and it just made me think about how the stories of women um, really do get overlooked and, and um, they're not told to people. And yet it's really inspiring and interesting and unusual. And um, I was making... And also the, the, mid, the, the Middle Ages, medieval times, were actually a time when there, were, there are a lot of really interesting stories about women. I'm reading at the moment, um, some people might know it, it's actually, it's a Sunday Times bestseller, but it's called Femina by Janina Ramirez and it's a history of kind of women through the middle ages um and how actually there's a there's a lot of fascinating stories most of which have been sort of subsequently written out of history um but if anyone's interested it's a really really good book i'll stick it in the show yeah. notes um and well worth a read yes i i would love to i would love to find out more about it because it's a time when you you hear about you know the monks and you hear about kings and you hear about sheriffs and people like that but but of course there were there were women many of whom didn't have any power but there were one or two who who were powerful and who had opinions and influenced things really impressive i actually read a really good book um by terry jones yeah. as in you know monty python terry jones and um he wrote a book called medieval lives and it's split up into all these different there's like a knight's chapter there's a king's chapter but there's a damsel's chapter as well um and it has all these different stories about women through the middle ages um that are some of them are hysterically funny there's one woman who she was um aristocratic woman i think daughter of someone and I'm, i'm just remembering this from the top of my head but and she wanted to be a nun and her father wanted to marry her off so that he could you know um earn more money through her dowry yeah exactly he wanted to exchange his daughter for cash basically um and she didn't want to so he forced her to to get married and she was so against it that on the wedding night she hid behind the because they used to have curtains against the walls to keep the warmth in she hid behind the curtains hanging by her hands high up so that nobody could find her (laughs) Um, and eventually her the husband that she'd been forcibly married to who's quite elderly decided that it absolutely wasn't worth his while and he was going to find somebody um a bit more a bit more relaxed Um, exactly and uh and so i think she ended up going off to the nunnery like she wanted to um, and such a fun story so what was very interesting was that the very nice lady that i was talking to also um spoke about um uh, another important woman in the in the castle who was called um, Lucy and and there's one of the towers is called Lucy's Tower and she was somebody who I think had been married something like four times and um, the expectation was that she was going to marry again and she she petitioned to the king and she said I really don't want to be married again you know I've been married four times that's enough surely for anyone and um, because the king got money every time she married, he made her pay some enormous sum of money to get out of oh, having sort to of be get out of jail card. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and I was just thinking, gosh, <laughs> that is yeah, yeah. What a tax! <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, I think we should we should really get on with what we're going to talk about, which is online safety this week. We're going to be talking about keeping kids safe online, keeping kids safe with computers um, and all the kind of uh, tools you can have in your arsenal in order to make sure that that's happening. So off we go. Okay. Okay, so this week we're talking about online safety for kids, uh, which is a big issue for lots of parents. Is it something that you really worried about with us? It's sort of a bit of a different generation. <laughs> I'm 34 for everybody <laughs> listening. Well, I I didn't worry about it because that's right, it wasn't a big issue when you guys were kids. But there were sort of things like Game Boys and other sort of devices which... Uh, yeah, and then later on, do you remember Benny had that game where he could play Second with his life. Second, Second life, life, exactly, which caused all sorts of little dramas yeah, for did. us, actually, as a family. But, 
So, um, so in this podcast, we are going to be talking about primary school age children because um, teenagers are a bit of a different bag. They get smartphones, they get chatting with their mates. There's a whole different kind of renegotiation that has to happen with teenagers and probably a bit of a loosening of the reins. Whereas primary school kids, you need to be monitoring them a bit more carefully. Um, so what we're going to talk about in this podcast, we're going to talk about some of the things that parents get worried about, some of the things that parents forget to get worried about, <laughs> um, some of the things you can do, some general rules, um, and then and then mum's going to talk about what to do if your kid does find something upsetting online, and then at the end we're going to talk a little bit about screen time, I think. Yeah, and I think in our usual way we'll probably yeah. um, meander around <laughs> as well because it, these things are all interrelated and... Um, yeah, it always triggers off thoughts and I just exactly. start remembering a, an anecdote or something that happened when you guys were kids or more recently. Yeah. And, yeah. So I think maybe it would be a good idea to think when we're talking about kids using the internet, kids using screens, kids using technology, what are some of the things that parents worry about? Yeah. And I think the big ones are kind of like online predators, like people being able to contact your kids in um, ways that you might not know about. Um, and then also seeing something inappropriate or scary. They're like the two big ones, right? Yeah, I think those are the two big worries that people have, although they're not the only things that people need to be thinking about. Yeah, I would say um, other things that are that are less emotional, but are still things that parents have to worry about and think about when they're talking about online safety, are things like phishing scams, uh, viruses on computers, kids accidentally buying things. Every now and then you get a horror story about a kid who's managed to rack up 2,000 quid's worth of credit card debt. Yeah, well, <laughs> actually, that takes us back to Second Life because one of the things that <laughs> happened with Benny when he was, I can't even remember how old he was, but he was young. He he suddenly realised that he could buy things. Yeah. And he got a hold of my credit card. Yeah. Which, you know, in the end, I, I can't believe how calm I was about it when I found <laughs> out. But then he started buying things and he didn't seem to realise that it translated that it was into, real money. That it was real money because he was playing on a game. He just thought maybe it was just a sort of, you know, the money thing was a game. And then a little bit later, we had, um, we actually had some fraud going on on my credit card, which was people gambling. But of course, I immediately thought, oh no, <laughs> it's Benny. <laughs> it's getting worse. It's senior-old Benny on the yeah. GGs. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And he, he was absolutely adamant that it wasn't him and I really didn't know whether I believed him well, or not. Well, a Benny and lying is a whole different podcast that I think <laughs> well, we're going to have into that. <laughs> um, okay, but so first of all, some things that um, parents, it's that can kind of reassure parents when we're thinking about this, is there are actually lots of tools and things available that you can use to, to make sure that your computer is essentially kind of locked down. <laughs> first of all, and this is regardless for anyone, whether you have kids or not, virus protection, please do it. It's like travel insurance, just like it's a, it seems like a waste of money and it absolutely isn't. So just like have virus but protection. But it's a waste of money guys. until you need it. Exactly, exactly. And still someone steals all your details. So do that first, regardless of whether you have kids or not. We're also gonna be putting up on the Quest to Kids website, we're gonna be putting up a whole series of tutorials for how to actually put these tools in place and some of the things that your computer can do without buying any extra software that you can do with your computer to make sure that it's more uh, safe for kids. So I'm not going to go into too much detail in practically how you do that because there's all sorts of operating systems and it gets complicated quickly. But there are some, some things to think about when you're thinking about technology in your kids. Most devices have some form of parental controls. Um, that you just there's a password and you just do not tell the kids the password and don't make it the family password because we have a pin code as a family that <laughs> seems to get used for everything <laughs> so don't make it that one um you can also create at least on windows you can create limited access accounts which means that when kids are in that system they can't even change the settings even if they even if they want to um so those are some things that it's worth investigating for your own specific advice a device um, we're also going to talk to you at some point. My husband actually used to work for the um, Apple store and he talks constantly about how much you can lock down an iPad <laughs> and you can basically make it the equivalent of sort of Fort Knox. So I'm going to get him to do a tutorial as well on how on iOS devices. There's so many things that you can do to stop kids uh, accessing inappropriate content, buying things, all sorts of things. Um, 
Another piece of technology which is really interesting is something called a keystroke logger, which is something that you just put onto the computer. Kids aren't even aware that it's there and it keeps track of what's being typed and it also takes periodic screenshots of what's on the screen. And it's something that you can kind of look over afterwards just to double check that your kids aren't accessing inappropriate content or stuff that you're afraid of. Um, so that's an interesting one to use, particularly with slightly older kids. Another thing I would say is um, think about using kid-friendly search engines. Kiddle is one, is the sort of the Google type one. Um, and YouTube Kids, although do be careful of YouTube Kids because there's always all sorts of rumors and stuff about problematic content and nothing on the internet is as monitored as you as a parent would like it to be. Um, if you are using email, if kids have emails, um, don't just set them up with a, with a Gmail account. Think about finding a, a, a child-proof email. Child-proof doesn't really sound like the right um, child approach. Child, yes, child, child friendly email um, is a good one. Or if you are use, going to use Gmail or something kind of more mainstream, there's also available things that you can put on to prevent diff, like problematic things coming into the inbox. And the other thing that you can do and should do is talk to your children. And I um, I was really shocked the other day. I sat in on a session uh, in a school with some children talking about online safety. And I couldn't believe how sophisticated they were and at the same time how naive they were. So they knew exactly how to get round things that were supposed to stop young kids from, from signing mm. up. And, um, you know, the, the person who was leading the discussion talked about, um, do you believe everything that happens on the Internet? And they all said yes. <laughs> and then they said no. And then they described how they had all signed up to WhatsApp and it was pointed out to them that in order to sign up to WhatsApp, you had to confirm that you were over 13 and these guys weren't. And that actually they were creating an untruth on on the Internet. On, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and it was just really interesting just listening to them, trying to puzzle out. And, and I think they just need a lot more opportunities to talk and to hear what you've got to say and time to think about things and perhaps we realize well i think that's a good segue into some more general rules because there's lots of stuff that you can do with technology but it's not actually a substitute for they're more like the the rails that you get the guardrails that you get when you go bowling yeah <laughs> but actually <laughs> if you're not flinging the bowling ball down it doesn't really matter um so some kind of general rules for computers and kids and technology i would say um, firstly, monitoring is okay. It's your computer, it's your property. So if you want to, if you want to have location tracking on a smartphone, if you want to use a keystroke logger and you don't want to tell kids, at least for children who are yeah. not teenagers, that's completely inappropriate, I, completely appropriate. And I really wouldn't worry about it at all. And, and actually, I think you should explain to your children why you're doing those things. Agreed. Um, you know, I can remember having conversations about things that I thought were about keeping you guys safe. And certainly the boys saying, is that because you don't trust me? And, and me saying, well, partly it's because I don't trust you. <laughs> but <laughs> partly it's because that's my job as your, as your parent to think about you and to recognize that sometimes you don't fully understand the p possible dangers. I mean, this is this is walking to the sweetie shop. This is not yeah. going online, but it's the same basic principle. Well, and I think you do need to think about it in terms of, of kids crossing the street. Yeah. There's the reality of kids can't necessarily be responsible enough to look both ways. So you have to teach them appropriate behavior with the road, but also Watch on a them. road, yeah, that too, but also on a road, cars coming might not see a child and a yeah. child can be as responsible as they like and they still might find problematic stuff on the internet so it's not just about whether you trust your kids or not it's it's about creating a safe space for them when using these things yes and i think the way to think about the online world is to think of it as an extension into outside your home and outside your family yeah so that in the same way that you take care of your kids when they're outside your home and wouldn't let them just run off by themselves exactly you you need to do the equivalent when you're talking about the online space agreed um another rule i would say um, <laughs> and i suspect most parents will already know this but kids know more than you do <laughs> It's just the reality of rapidly developing technology. Chances are kids know more than you do. So you've really got to, you can't just expect that this information is going to come to you. You have to also put some effort in to make sure that you're staying up to date on what technologies are. Is TikTok okay for your kid? Is it not? 
that kind of thing because um you know kids don't always have the best judgment but they are very quick at learning things <laughs> and listening to their peers <laughs> Yeah, and, and remember that someone somewhere will work, have worked out how to get round some of the security um, sort of strategies that you have. So just keep your eye on things. Yeah. Um, and that, uh, again, that links into, I would say, like whatever safety protocols you decide on, they do need to be reassessed. They need to be reassessed based on kids' ages. Um, and, but they also just need to be reassessed in terms of what technology is available. Is this the best use of technology? Uh, that kind of thing. <coughs> and I think that that reassessment is also about recognizing that children do develop. Yeah. You know, they develop their interests, they develop their capacities, they develop their judgment. And you want to allow children the opportunity to, to use their judgment but always within, within what you consider to be a safe space. Yeah, they need to be able to be curious and to explore, particularly when it comes to learning things, which we're going to talk a little bit about in a, in a while. Um, they do need to have that space, but then they also need the, yeah. the limits on it and the boundaries on it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> another thing I would say is don't encourage kids to randomly click things. They need to ask you first before they're clicking on things. We've all clicked yes on terms and conditions, um, and I get it, I do it too, but it's not a good habit to teach kids. Um, yeah, and, and I think the other thing is that there is no substitute to you being in the room when, you're, when your children are online. You, you know, there should be a sense that what they're looking at can be seen by you, that there should be, it's, it should be sort of like public within the family. Um, you know, and certainly when you're thinking about things perhaps going wrong, um, if your child always wants you to use headphones and it's not just about consideration for other members of the family, or if they shut the screen down the minute you walk into the room. Yeah, there's just, some things to watch yeah, for. Yeah, just be a bit suspicious. And they may just be doing it because they're watching Peppa Pig for the nth time and they don't want you yeah. to know that they are watching Peppa Pig. But, you know, it's worth just having a conversation about that, but also making them aware that that you know technology is is in the home when they're using it yes um, and and one of the ways that you can make that feel non-intrusive is to show an interest in what your yeah. children are, are looking at so that if if they're looking at something that's really absorbing them get them to tell you about it and be interested in what they're doing and you know sometimes you will learn things that that you know, perhaps you didn't even know were there to be learned. And, and that will give your child a sense of this being, um, you know, a sort of reciprocal arrangement where you give them advice about some <laughs> things and they give you advice about other things. I have a story about this. When, <laughs> when me and my brother were younger, we used to play Monkey Island. I don't know if anyone's played it. It's a brilliant <laughs> game. It's all about learning to be a pirate. Um, and there was one bit, do you remember where we had to fight? You, you learned how to sword fight, which you did by, you didn't do by fighting, but you did by exchanging insults. Yes. Um, and then at some point you had to fight the sword master and there was like a, and she had like really good insults. Uh, and you had to try and match the insult to the response. Um, and we couldn't do it. And we got you to do it. Do you remember? <laughs> <laughs> and every time if we had to fight someone, Mom, can you come and fight the sword master for us? And it became a family thing. <laughs> That's because I know better insults than all of my children exactly, do. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Far more sophisticated than we were used to. And I don't know how we would have passed it otherwise. Um, but yeah. Uh, so it can be a, it can technology doesn't have to be this thing that kids do on their own, which is a broader societal thing anyway. Of everybody sort of stuck inside their their smartphone, uh, it can be something that that you share and learn about and, and do together, and it can be fun, not constantly, but for a little while. Yeah. Um, another thing I would say is you need to be incorporating siblings into understanding how online safety works. So one of the kind of difficult parts of managing this is that older siblings who have maybe have different rules need to be aware that they're responsible for their younger siblings they shouldn't be showing them stuff online that's maybe for older age groups they shouldn't be encouraging them to play games xyz um that's a dynamic that can that, that kids can slip into really easily and i think you should be saying to older siblings part of your responsibility for using technology appropriately is that you're thinking about your siblings and looking after them Yes, and that that actually brings you brings us on to what happens when there are other children from other families around. Yes, um, sometimes they'll be older children. Sometimes they'll be from families who have different views about these things. And 
just try to keep an eye on what's going on because if you have somebody who's if you have a child visiting you or your child visiting them um you know they may push the boundaries a little bit yeah maybe even you know egg each other on to see what they can do what sort of naughty stuff they can get up to i would agree with that i'd say always be more vigilant when there's like a group of kids because that's when they egg each other on and they push each other um and that's yeah that can be a difficult dynamic and to handle i have very very clear memories it's not quite the same but i think there are parallels of one of the boys coming home and announcing that they had watched nightmare on elm street <laughs> at someone else's house which is not a film that i would ever have sanctioned anybody in the house watching. i wasn't but... even allowed to watch titanic exactly so... <laughs> exactly and then having to mop up the tears that night when when he couldn't get to sleep because yeah. he was having nightmares about it yeah and the best way to avoid that is not by insisting that all parents agree with you on technology although there's a role in that as well but it is about monitoring um and not having not having devices not having computers in bedrooms where you can't you can't yeah. see them that would yeah. that would be my rule yeah um, so there are loads of resources for all this stuff at, we're going to have some on the Quest to Kids website, which we'll link to in the show notes, but there's also lots of resources at UK Safer um, Internet, uh, which is an online platform. They have loads of trainings and courses, but also just kind of YouTube videos um, that you can look at to kind of work out what are some of the issues and help you think about how you as a family want to deal with those issues. Um, so I really, really recommend them. And we'll, yeah, we'll link to them as well. Yeah. Um, but now let's move on to Dr. Ruth. Uh, <laughs> what happens? <laughs> what happens if a kid sees something they can't explain or that scares them? Or what happens if your failures, your your sort of strategies, your strategies fail, <laughs> and kids are exposed to something that is maybe age inappropriate online? And you know, so I think the first thing is that. Dealing with that situation, it may happen, but dealing with it is always going to be easier if you've already talked about this. Mm. So if if you've already had a conversation about why you're being so careful, and it's it's actually about protecting them. Yeah. Um, the other thing is that if you know that they've seen something inappropriate, that actually is really good because it means that you found out about it. Mm. Um, what you have to worry about much more are the kids who see something inappropriate online and then don't tell you, yeah. either because they're ashamed or because they're upset or they think you're going to be cross or actually it's quite exciting and they want to see it some more and they know you're going to stop them if they if they find out about it. I mean, you know, this, this all happens. So when you find out about something, be really pleased because that means that somehow that communication between you about this is working so yeah. don't see it as a failure see it as a really positive thing mm -hmm. that somehow you have come to find out about this um, and if that happens the thing to do is to talk about it openly and particularly to try and create space for them to tell you what it is that they saw what it is that they're worried about or they think you might be worried about you know don't assume that you know already what it is that mm -hmm. they're going to find distressing and presumably don't interrogate them either yeah try and keep it as a conversation you know like a serious conversation but it's not it's not the inquisition yeah um and you've said before one of the things we mentioned before on some of the previous podcasts is sometimes for those high tension conversations to have them while you're doing something else like washing up or you're driving in the car or you're doing a puzzle i don't yeah. know if people still do that kind of thing <laughs> no, that's do. just us i darling. do <laughs> <laughs> um because it just takes it some of the heat out from a face-to-face -face, let's sit down and talk about this discussion yes and i think i think the more you can keep the conversation neutral the better so mm. try for it not to be too emotional don't show that you're panicked or distressed or upset even if you are um try and talk about things in a neutral way because that creates the sense that you you know how to deal with this mm. it's okay something maybe not so great has happened but you're going to sort it um and i think if you do get to understand what it is that has upset or bewildered or puzzled your child try to find a way of explaining it that's really neutral mm. um you know you don't have to go into details about predatory people online yeah. talk about there are are some people in the world who do nasty things but there aren't very many of them 
Um, and that's one of the reasons why we're careful. And look, it works. We have been careful. We've found out about this and we're going to try and sort it out. Yeah. And we will succeed in sorting it out and everything will be fine. Um, I find it really funny that obviously for everyone listening mum works in mental health and you used to tell me when I was young there's there's no such thing as mad people there's just sad people and angry people <laughs> and I and there aren't very many of them <laughs> and I fully believed it and then when I got older you started telling stories about some of the patients that you'd encountered in you know in psychiatric wards or whatever and I started thinking oh maybe there are some people who are actually mad <laughs> But it didn't happen until I was like a mid-teenager. So. And how appropriate is that? Indeed, indeed. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so in the talking about it, try and keep it neutral. Try and use open questions. Don't assume that you already know. And frame it all by an explanation that you are never going to be cross about this. Yeah. This is a problem that you can solve together and that that's the spirit in which you approach it, that you are going to work out some solutions, some ways of um managing it all that that they can help you with they can join in so your partners in this in yeah this process. there's a shared responsibility to some extent yeah everyone's yeah. trying to keep everyone safe and that's also where you can bring in some of the stuff about viruses and phishing and not clicking on things because it's actually about making sure that everybody who's using that computer is safe yeah yeah um, and that's important yeah and i think if there are people who are impersonating children um the companies who run these these facilities, these websites and these services, they need to know about they it. They do need to know. Yeah, you need to be, if you are encountering problematic behavior on something that's supposed to be a child-friendly site, even if it's not a child-friendly site, but especially if it's a child-friendly yeah. site, you do need to be telling them because, because you know, it won't just be your kid. Yeah. Um, it's really, really crucial that you do do that. Yeah. Even if it's just a suspicion, register it with them. They will. They should have processes to deal with that. Yeah, and I think there's a sort of general bit of advice that you can give to give give to children, which is that if ever they feel that they shouldn't tell a parent something, that's a reason to tell your parent. Yeah. Um, anyone who makes you feel that you need to keep secrets, that there's stuff going on that you know parents might not want you to know about tell them that that is when they should be they should be worried and they can always 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 check it out with you and that's true for adults who tell them things and also for kids who tell them things i would say it's just a general principle if somebody yeah. asks you to keep a secret you, you know and you you feel bad about keeping that secret you need to be telling a parent yeah and something I, that you told me do you remember um there was someone who had a friend this was when they were teenagers but who was uh, the friend was asking her to keep secrets yes and not tell and you said to say if you cannot trust me to 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 decide what is an appropriate secret and what's not an appropriate secret and what i shouldn't tell an adult versus what i should tell an adult then don't tell me yeah and that's a really good thing for kids to to know is yeah. that you know secrets can be small and silly but big ones they can't be secrets yes and i think it's it's interesting because what we we haven't mentioned yet is the whole thing about um the unkind and inappropriate things that other children may say. Yes. Yeah. And that that's a that's a big worry. And I think we're going to do an episode on bullying at some point and we'll probably talk about it much more in yes. depth and bullying, but be aware that online is a is a big space for that. It is. It is. And and in the same way that if a if an adult tells your child to keep secrets, it's also true that you your your kids should be warned about other kids saying don't tell your mom, don't Agreed. tell your dad. Agreed. Because sometimes that's you know, I had a chocolate bar and I ate it and my mum didn't yeah, know. Exactly. It really doesn't matter. But it might actually be something, um, you know, more worrying or more sinister. Well, and also, if a kid has a chocolate bar and then your kid tells you, you just go, okay. Good for them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> go for it. <laughs> they should bring one for you next yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it's a good principle. Yeah, when we're doing the research for Quest of Kids, which obviously we one of the things that we are asking kids to do on the platform is we're asking them to start to develop their research skills and i could go on for hours and hours and hours about how crucial good research skills are for kids especially as they get older i've taught a lot of kids at university level who have almost no <laughs> independent learning skills and no resilience when it comes to finding stuff out themselves they expect to just be spoon-fed information it's a really really big issue um in in education um so Questa Kids is partly designed to to help kids learning to do 
simple research tasks, one of the things that we ask, but we have to monitor that very carefully. We have to monitor what we're asking kids to look for. You know, at one point we were talking about geisha in the Japan country quest and we realized you can't just have kids Google geisha. God, I don't even know what would come up, <laughs> but it's not, it, it, you know, there's all sorts of problematic understandings of what geisha actually are and how closely they, they, um, they are presumed to be with sex work when actually they're not. Do the Japan country quest, guys. Um, <laughs> but so we we need to do a lot of research when we're making this all this stuff for kids to think about what are the sort of holes that kids can slip slip down and make sure that we're actively avoiding those things. So it's, we'd spend a lot of time doing that. Yes, I have to tell you that I, one of my jobs as as part of creating the country quest is to go through every workbook and check it and look for the gaps like that. Um, kids' brains move in mysterious ways. Uh, and faster than mine. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> that's probably true. But, but it's, I think the other thing that's interesting is that we are very clear um, that we don't communicate directly with children through Quest to Kids, that we we try to ensure that every communication goes through the parents so mm. that they know what what you know if if kids decide to send us something if they send a photo or you know a report on something that they've done that it's all open to parental scrutiny absolutely um and that all the people who might read even those emails are all people well only people that we know we can absolutely trust and that are dbs checked yeah, yeah. so that absolutely. so that you know even that um, minimal contact that we have via parents with children is carefully thought about and carefully scrutinized really if you want to learn more you can find <laughs> you can find some information on the child safety policy on our website yeah but now let's move on to an issue that is a real hot potato for parents and I mean probably everyone but is screen time you know is screen time a good thing or a bad thing and <laughs> I'm not going to try and cover the whole debate because we might be here until next Tuesday. Um, but I'm just going to run over a couple of things um, that I think are worth parents kind of considering. So first of all, there aren't actually any official recommendations in the UK for how much screen time is good for kids. Um, the WHO recommendations, which is based in the US, say uh, an hour on screens for under fives and two hours on screens for five to 17 year olds per day. I don't, I don't know about that because I think having a, the same block for five to 17 year olds is it seems pretty strange is actually, a bit much uh, especially when those teenagers some of them are going to be <coughs> some, some of them are going to be doing their homework online using screens um, so I would say there's a lot of flexibility within this but generally speaking under fives need much less screen time than um, than over fives but then again, some environments are harder for kids to exist in. If they don't have outdoor space, if they don't have a place to play, they need stimulation sometimes, somehow. And screen time can be a really valuable tool for, for escapism, for learning, for communicating with other kids. Um, and, and, and actually, I think there's something about shared experience with your peers. So, you know, I can remember, um, one of the one of the boys desperately desperately wanting to have a game boy that was the thing that mm. that people did it sort of preceded all of these screens and i was very unhappy about it and decided no we weren't going to have a game boy in in the house and then i got chatting to some of your friends mm. who explained to me that some of these experiences and now they're online experiences are actually part of the shared understanding that that uh, you know a particular cohort of children will have in the same way that in my day it was what was going on in doctor who oh, yeah. and and that and that if you if your kid doesn't have any opportunity to engage in that space they actually have fewer opportunities to interact with their peers about what's happening in that space do you know what i thought you were going to say when you said watching doctor who i yeah. thought you were going to say playing with a yo-yo because I have this idea that technology doesn't exist when you're a child. Yes, well, it was all black and white when I was a child. Actually, do you know what? Thomas the Tank Engine and Doctor Who come from my generation, guys. Um, so I would say, generally speaking, I mean, I come across this a lot. Parents often know the difference between kind of constructive screen time and less constructive screen time and they're both appropriate in certain circumstances but you know everyone's seen the the youtube zombie stare that kids do when they look absolutely <laughs> gormless <laughs> it's 
staring at something and you know you know 20 minutes 40 minutes of that might be appropriate but actually when you're getting to two and a half hours of the youtube zombie stare it's not great it's not great um so i would say my kind of goal is when kids are using computers um when they've got online screen time it's really good for them to have a goal if they're doing something if they're researching they're exploring they're reading they're practicing those are all really positive things there's a place for passively receiving information but try and mediate it with 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 games with activities with something else um, where they are actually doing something and and com sometimes it can be really good to combine sort of online and offline yeah um, and, and <clears throat> Kids need to develop research skills. They do. And in, computers are how we operate now. Exactly. Exactly. This is actually preparing them for their future. And you can use that in a really positive way within your family. You can say, let's make, I don't know, let's make homemade pasta or let's make tomato sauce or whatever. Find me a recipe. Yes. And, and that way, you know, kids come to understand that, that what's online is a resource for them and for you and for the whole family and it can be fun and that you can find instead of the youtube being the, the zombie moment it can be the time when you learn a different technique how to pot up those seedlings that you've patiently nurtured on your on your windowsill what's the next bit let's look online because somebody will have made a youtube video about it agreed and that's great yeah that's really good um although i would also say they could also ask Nana or the next door neighbor. It yeah. doesn't just have to be internet that they're yeah. using for that. Yeah. Um, I would also say games get maligned and it really irritates me because there are a lot of games um, that are absolutely fantastic for kids. Minecraft is, is a game that I'm hugely behind. If you have a kid who is into Minecraft, I'm sure you will have heard all about it. <laughs> <laughs> but there are so many skills and patience and creativity that can be learned from Minecraft. Um, and, and, you know, and there's a whole community as well of people who, who make things in Minecraft and, and kind of show other kids how to create things in Minecraft. It's just really, really fantastic community. We actually, when I was doing my, um, uh, um, when I was doing my diploma in digital education, we actually had an entire course on Minecraft and how brilliant it is for adults and kids. So that's a really, really fun one. Monkey Island taught us quite a lot. Well, do you know what? The thing that I remember was that you and Johnny worked out that there were hacks to get you round yeah. fighting with the Swordmaster or whatever the particular challenge was. And sometimes after you had exhausted all of your own ingenuity about how to get through a particular thing, you learned that if you went online, somebody would already have been there. <laughs> And you could get yourself around the problem and then feel like you'd conquered it and you you had a sense of mastery, even though you just you know read the instructions on Google. But <laughs> hey, it was fine. It Absolutely. kept you going. And actually, the two of you cooperated and talked about it endlessly, explained it to me. Mostly I didn't understand. But the thing was, it was a joint enterprise. It was, it was yeah. something that you both did and was hugely absorbing and really challenging. Well, and actually one of the really nice, the nicest piece of feedback that I had about, it wasn't called Quest to Kids then, but a previous iteration of Quest to Kids, which we launched during the pandemic, was when a mother said, my kids have been fighting every day since lockdown began. And this game is the first time they started <laughs> cooperating. <Hey. laughs> which I just thought was really, really nice. Um, and, you know, especially if they're doing an activity, one can hold the pen and the other one can hold the mouse and then absolutely. you switch back and forth. There's absolutely. Just, there's yeah, take a, it in turns. Absolutely. See how far you can get. Yeah. And there are some really, really creative, thoughtful, exciting games that you can find. If you are interested, look on Steam and look for the kind of the kid friendly or the family friendly uh, themed ones. And there are some really, there's some really, really good ones on there. Um, I feel when it comes to kind of screen time that social media is a bit different also when we're talking about kids and that smartphones are different. They do, they're basically designed to make you stare vacantly into them. <laughs> That's their purpose. I and mean, then buy stuff. <laughs> but uh, so I, yeah, I find them to be kind of like a slightly different kettle of fish than to maybe, maybe a tablet or, or a computer. Yeah. I would say every family has a different policy when it comes to smartphones and devices, those kinds of devices and social media. Although I should remind you that most of them have a restriction 
an age restriction and you really shouldn't be encouraging kids to get around the age restriction. Um, but I would say the biggest thing that you can do as a parent is to model positive behavior yourself. So if you can't get off your phone, how the hell is a kid supposed to not want a phone? If it's the most important thing in your life, what message does that send to a kid in terms of that, that doing things offline are important? It's really, really difficult for them to yeah, to and connect the words with the behavior in that case, because they're saying totally opposite things. Well, and we have a rather lovely German Shepherd who has a puppy. Her sole aim in life was to grab the phone yeah. because she knew that that was a really interesting, precious thing that Valuable we had. Thing. And if we spent a lot of time looking at it and, you know, interacting with it, then she wanted to. Yeah. Unfortunately, her only way of interacting with the phone was to chew it. <laughs> was biting it. <laughs> well, she also did with TV remotes. So yes, that's another one. she did. That she, she did. She knew was important. Yeah. We and have now, shoes. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yes, the, the three key things in life, the TV remote, the smartphone and the shoe. Absolutely. She has now stopped doing it. But it, it's, it's a really, I think it's very easy for us to forget how much we can be on our phones and the implicit message that that's sending to kids about what is valuable and what is worth spending your time on. Yes. So just have a think, have a think about that. Um, yeah. But I think, I think one of the issues with the on-screen world is that it's actually hugely complicated. Yeah. And I suspect that we're going to need to revisit this. Agreed. I don't think we will have covered everything. No. We'd um, really love to hear from people. If you have specific issues that you're concerned about or experiences that you've had, we'd really, really love to love to hear, you know, yeah, your or, online experiences with kids. Yeah, um, or maybe questions that you have or ideas you have that we could then, you know, share on your behalf with other parents. Because I think that, you know, learning from each other and realizing that there are many, many, many different ways to solve this um, is, is, is actually very refreshing. Yeah. The whole adult world needs to work this out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, okay. okay. Well, so to sum up, we've talked about, we kind of talked about some, some of the technical things that you can do in broad brushstrokes um, to keep kids safe online, some kind of general rules, um, some, some, Things to think about for if it goes wrong, because you've got a plan for when things go right and when things go wrong, unfortunately. Uh, and then a little bit about screen time. I mean, we haven't been able to do that much, but there are just some, and there are some very, very fervent internet discussions, if you're interested. <laughs> <laughs> um, so don't come to us for that. Go somewhere else for that, because <laughs> we don't have the energy. But um, yeah, and it's, it's a complicated topic. It just needs to constantly be reassessed but when it comes to kids, share share things with them. You know, they need to learn to become responsible for their online behavior. That's what you're teaching them up until they're 18. So so start it early. Yeah, and see it as a positive thing. Yes. You know, teaching children about the internet is like teaching them how to keep safe from cars. They're not gonna live in a world where there are no cars and they're not gonna live in a world where there is, there's no online. So they need to navigate it safely, responsibly, thoughtfully yeah all right thank you very much all right we've had a listener question in so i think let's it's, let's dig into that um it's from somebody who'd rather stay anonymous it came in on our instagram page um so i'm just going to read it and then we can both have a have a whack at answering no it no problem no problem okay hi both my child has been diagnosed as being on the spectrum and I was wondering if you had any advice on how I can support him with his schoolwork as I'm worried this could cause an issue as he goes through the school system. That's very interesting. She doesn't say how old he is, um, but I'm guessing probably no. quite young. Um, it's, uh, I mean, I think uh, the first thing that I think of is that uh, she needs to get the school involved and helping her so she's not yeah, trying to do absolutely. this on her own she's she's working with the schools and these days schools really do understand people with autism people on the autistic spectrum and and how to help them and it may be that he needs to get some assessment of his educational needs or just that he needs the support and understanding of the school staff but a good place to start is to share with the school whatever assessment uh, profile that, sh that, 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 that they've had. Um, yeah. just be as and I would say share with, the, share with the teacher, share with the head, 
share with there'll probably be a senko a special educational needs focused uh member of staff need to be sharing with everybody not just not just teacher yeah. and that's part of that whole thing of you know hey this happens there are there are quite a significant number of, of of children within schools and it sort of merges with all sorts of you know personality traits that wouldn't ever get a diagnosis yeah. but are just different ways that different children um, interact with the world and learn um, and that this is something that the more people know about and understand the easier it will be for them to help but also for you to have conversations with school if if things don't work out quite as you hope they would yeah absolutely and maybe we should go into just a couple of things to think about with your kid in a classroom setting i mean the first thing to say is every single child with asd or asc on the autistic spectrum is different um, and there will be things that apply to your child and there will be things that don't apply to your child and it's a bit of a kind of working out um what are the things that are going to help and what are the things that actually aren't aren't really an issue for your kid um some things to think about i think would be sensory sensitivities lots of kids with asd have trouble with loud noises i know somebody who um was terribly upset by balloons popping um, it can be like a really big one um so take that into account and there's a load of research about different tools that you can use headphones are a big one if they're going to be in like big crowded classrooms um, or moving in hallways it can be really good to just make sure that they've got headphones and that you're talking to the teacher about um, about giving kids permission to use those things in certain circumstances another one would be making sure that you know and also that the teacher knows that sometimes kids need i mean kids anyway but sometimes kids with um on the spectrum need very clear instructions um try not to use metaphorical language um, and also make sure that sometimes listening to verbal cues can be difficult and this is this is also the same for kids who have attention deficit disorders as well that they can't necessarily remember what you've said so if you're giving them an instruction you can also write it down you can write it on the board you can write it on a piece of paper and give it to them so that they're able to 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 get the information back if they have forgotten what you've said to them. Yes, and I think that that thing about clear, really specific instructions is is so important because a lot of our language isn't just metaphorical, but it's also inferred. So people say things to children like, "I'd really like it if you didn't do that." Whereas, yeah, it's very what English. You need to say is, "Please don't do that thing." You know, make yeah, it yeah, I was. <laughs> You made me just think I used to work for a really lovely Russian family and the mother didn't speak very much English and she got really upset once because one of the other mothers said to her, you're barking up the wrong tree <laughs> and she thought this mother was calling her a dog and she was really upset <laughs> and I had to try and explain to her if I sort of a mix of English and Russian that that's not what was being said, that actually... <laughs> Um, it was a it was an expression but yeah expressions can often be mistaken um, and just make language a lot more complicated than it needs to be so try and think in in terms of direct instructions and don't be so english about it yeah and i think also make the instructions simple so one instruction at a time um, rather yep. than do this and then do this and then do this thing maybe that's too much and while you're there, do this one yeah, as well. well. If this yeah. happens, then you could try this. And it's like, no, 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 no. One instruction at a time. Keep it nice and simple. Um, and then there's no ambiguity about what you mean, um, which is really possible. Or which one to do yeah. first. Which or... is the most important or, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of complicated stuff there. And what about social situations and social cues? Because there's a teaching element, but there's also just school as a social environment for kids. Well, the children that I've worked with who are who are on the spectrum, they what I think is really interesting is that they are really interested in social interaction, but sometimes don't pick up the nuances of what's going on as quickly as other children might do um and that's mm. that's true across the whole spectrum of, of of kids isn't it but um yeah one of the things that i have seen being really effective is just rehearsing and explaining if you say this it might be true but it upsets people so try to say this instead and and actually model and practice um and teach people to learn the stuff that other kids 
are usually able to to just pick up for themselves um yeah and i'm always staggered when you watch children in a in a you know in a free-flowing situation they are incredibly good at making the rules flexible enough to incorporate all of the different characters and personalities and capacities of, mm. of, of children and they do that without adults telling them to actually they just seem to know that so and so can have an extra turn because you know, maybe they can't run as fast or maybe they uh, you know they do things more slowly and and kids are actually very good and very kind um but you know you do have to think about um children who feel hurt and 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 you know even maybe use the word bully bullied to explain them being bewildered and not understanding what's going on and what responses they get from 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 other people so a lot of talking about social situations and trying to help make sense of things i think is is always going to be very useful yeah and you also have to think quite creatively when you're doing that i mean there's lots of guidance online i think we'll probably link to some stuff in the show notes for places where you can look for extra help but one thing that i've noticed is is when talking to when helping kids with that social interaction is making sure that they recognize that they also need to pause in conversations and listen to other people as well that conversation is an exchange rather than just a flood of words <laughs> And that actually people want to also be heard. And so sometimes that means, you know, speak for this long, but watch for this cue. And if the person starts looking away, then it's time to ask them a question. Uh, and you can be quite granular about, I mean, depending on the kid that you're talking to, but you can be quite granular about how you're breaking down those social interactions. Yeah. I, th I think the other thing that um, is a bit more difficult to to deal with is that you may notice that your your child finds change much more unsettling than, than than other kids do and yeah you know it's quite it's quite helpful to keep the communication going with school because that way you can keep reminding his his or her teacher about that but also you can help do some of the rehearsing of this is what's going to happen and then this is going to happen um because the more familiar the routines become and the more you can anticipate things that are going to change, next year you're going to have this teacher. You know, you're going to go, um, you know, you're going to, to a swimming, to a swimming class. class and you need to have this stuff with you. And, that, and just talk over and over and over again so that even if it hasn't actually happened yet, it becomes a familiar thing that people feel, you know, your child feels, okay, I know what's going on here. I know how to deal with this. Um, yeah. Yeah. And... The other thing, the bit that sometimes people don't tell you is that children who have conditions like autistic spectrum disorders and, and things like that, and dyslexia and ADHD and all the rest of it, they have capacities that perhaps... I was just about to say that. important. <laughs> you know, it's, of course, it's more difficult if your brain works in a slightly different way to most people, but sometimes that different way of looking at the world can be incredibly refreshing and creative and and helpful and the best schools and hope hopefully your your child goes to a school where they're able to do this they recognize that and and be pleased and proud of those different ideas that different way of making sense of things that can build up your child's self-esteem so it's not all about sort of filling the gap it's also about acknowledging and celebrating the difference yeah, and regardless of whether the school does that, you should you need to be doing that as well because there are there's so many positive, wonderful qualities and amazing things that that children who are who are on the autistic spectrum can bring. Um, it's there's such a positive, there's a really good book. Uh, I think it's called Neur Neurotribes Neurotribes, which is about the history of of autism. Um, so I really, really recommend giving that a read. It's really readable and it goes through the history of 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 kind of the so-called discovery of autism, but also talks about all these historical figures who they now reckon were probably on the spectrum in some sort of sense. But also how we have this such a strong idea that that being neurotypical is the best way. And actually neurodiversity brings this extraordinary gift with it of a different way of thinking about of different ways of thinking about things um and the book's just really really good for so that maybe we could put that in the in the show notes yeah i'll pop yeah. that in the show yeah, notes people, as well you know other people might well be interested in this because 
although this is not super super common there are you are going to meet other other families you're going to know people whose children have you know been given this diagnosis or you know where there's a suspicion that that's what's going on and yeah the more you can talk yeah it's up to all of us to make sure that we're creating a world where life isn't quite so difficult for for people who aren't neurotypical Or, or who are different in any other way actually yeah also yeah. that okay right uh i think we've answered that question i hope uh let us know anonymous uh if we've answered it appropriately and if anybody else has any questions uh to do with parenting kids mental health teaching education anything um you can find us at uh we've got a let's talk about parenting instagram page and a let's talk about parenting facebook page you can drop us uh, a message on there and we can always make your question anonymous like we did this one or you can also email us over at info at questakids.com we'd really love to answer your questions thank you the let's talk about parenting podcast is sponsored by questa kids an online educational game for kids aged 7 to 12 questa kids follows questa and zeke on a journey around the world traveling through time and teaches children about geography, history, maths, culture, and plenty more. Questa Kids makes learning fun. So sign up today at questakids.com for a free 30-day trial. You can also get 15% off with the code Let's Talk About.